All right, everybody. With a little bit of a technological snafu there, we are back. And uh, we're on, what is this now? Gosh, Tuesday, December 5th. Welcome back to our weekly devotional. Sorry we had to miss yesterday. A little bit of sickness descended upon our home. But we are um, hopefully getting our feet back under us. And thank you for joining us. So if you're, if you're new to this, what we do is we take a passage of scripture and we work on it. We unpack it. We dissect it. We pull it apart. And then we preach on it for that upcoming Sunday. And so that way, you're getting a glimpse into how I'm viewing a passage, how, um, how I'm sort of approaching interpretation, and hopefully you're getting some skills to, um, to use for yourself as you become a, uh, a student of the Word. And so we are in Matthew chapter 13, and we are going to be finishing up Matthew 13 um, this week. And as we've said, and again, part of, part of interpretation is understanding context. We need to understand how Matthew 13 functions in relationship to the rest of Matthew, what's come before and what comes after. So essentially, um, people have been responding to the ministry of Jesus in radically different ways. Some have been receiving him. Some have been rejecting him. him. Um, some are amazed. Some are horrified. And in the middle of all this, Matthew gives us a series of parables on the part of Jesus to, to help us understand a little bit about what's going on behind the curtain. What, why are certain people responding the way they do? And, and how are we to, to live and, um, you know, live life together uh, for those who have radically different interpretations of Jesus, right? There, there's a group who's receiving him. There's a group that's rejecting him. God says this is the way it's always going to be in this age um, with the kingdom of God. And, um, and that's, part of what, that's part of the tension that we're, we're called to live in as believers. And so, so that's where we've been. And now Jesus is going to close this section with three more parables and as a reminder, all of these parables are meant to teach us something about the kingdom of God, okay? And so this will be a good opportunity this morning to remind ourselves what we mean by the kingdom of God. If you talked about the kingdom of God to an Old Testament Jew, they would have most likely associated that with a earthly realm, an earthly rule, um, the Davidic line, some a king who would be reigning um, as God's representative, bringing peace on earth, shalom. And they viewed the kingdom as something that is very much physical, very much a representation of the ethnic uh, people of Israel, something that God would literally do on earth. And when Jesus comes proclaiming the kingdom of God, he means something radically different, okay? He means, first of all, before there can be an earthly kingdom, okay, established, there has to be a spiritual kingdom established. Because after all, there are many obstacles for an earthly kingdom, right? Namely, sin. <laughs> Namely, not everyone is living in submission to the king, of, which is Jesus. In fact, no one is living in submission to him. 
And so, so Jesus has to come first to establish a spiritual kingdom, to die on a cross, um, to, to, to lead people into faith and repentance and reconciliation with God, and then be sort of his vice regents, receive his rule and authority for their lives. And so this is why Jesus says, I've not come to establish a kingdom in this world. Okay, He wants to establish a kingdom in our hearts and minds. Now, yes, one day, Jesus will be coming back again. Yes, one day, Jesus will be setting up that earthly rule. Um, God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But in the meantime, we're in the already and the not yet. And that's where Jesus is speaking to us in parables, helping us to understand how we're to think about the kingdom, this spiritual kingdom, in the context of our daily lives. So let me read these three parables, and what we're going to do is take one apiece for the next day, uh, the, the, for, for each day, and then we'll wind up on Friday by finishing the chapter. So we'll, let me read the three parables, okay? Verse 44, chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So once more, when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ in the life of the believer and his people. Okay, And Jesus says this kingdom is like, this is a simile, a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. So let's give a little context here. So in ancient times, as approaching armies would come to attack a land, people would oftentimes take their most valued possessions, treasures, and go hide them, right? So that they would not be confiscated or taken off by uh, the conquering people or the conquering armies. And so they would take these treasures and hide them in a cave or hide them in the ground or hide them in their field, right? And sometimes what would happen, obviously, is that people would go and retrieve those possessions, but other times they couldn't, either because they were taken into captivity or they were killed or they died for some other reason or they were forgotten, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that means that these treasures would remain, be, would remain um, hidden in these fields, um, and so what it says is that um, someone was working in um, a field and came upon one of these treasures. Now, this is a worker. He does not own the land, right? And so he knows that this possession is not his. And so what he does, he goes and bargains with the landowner um, to buy that field from him because he knows it contains a treasure of incredible value. Now, lest you think this is some unethical practice, okay, just remember that the man whose field it is obviously did not know the treasure was there either, lest it would not have been buried, right? So, so, so 
that's not in view here. The, 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 the ethical nature of this is not the point of the passage, but if you want to play that game, um, no one knew the treasure was there. Maybe it had been there for 100 years, right? Um, but nonetheless, the point of this is that this treasure is of such great value, okay? The man goes and sells all he has, okay? Now, that's pretty astounding, right? Um, what are the things that you would sell all your possessions in order to acquire? What, what would have to be the nature of the sure bet, right? And I can think of uh, Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2 when, when uh, uh, Future Biff steals the World Sports Almanac book and takes it back in time to Young Biff who then uses it to become a multi-multi-millionaire because he knows how every sporting event is going gonna, is gonna to turn out and he bets all of his money on it, right? That's, that, that's a sure bet. Well, Jesus says the kingdom of God is every bit of that. In fact, it is so sure, it is so certain, um, it, is, it is of such high value that it's nothing to think that someone would not give up everything in their life in order to obtain it, okay? And so, so the thing that's being emphasized here is to, is to remind us that there is nothing more valuable in the universe than the kingdom of God. And there is nothing worth sacrifice, there's nothing that's not worth sacrificing in order to lay hold of that kingdom for ourselves. And so this is an important reminder for us because there's much that would uh, compete for our attention and affections and our money and our resources. And Jesus is wanting to simply remind us that there is nothing more valuable than God's rule and reign. There's nothing more valuable um, than, than God establishing his rule, his reign, his presence, his authority in the context of our lives and this world. And because of that, um, it's worth whatever it takes for us to embrace it. Now, one thing I would point out here is that when a lot of times when we think of giving up something very valuable to us, we think about that as sacrifice. We think about that as drudgery. We think about that as duty, right? Um, but here, that's not the way that this is depicted in terms of this man giving up all of his possessions, everything he owned. What does it say to him? This man in his joy, which means if it terrifies us to think about giving up everything for the kingdom of God, then it means that we have not rightly understood the kingdom of God, that we don't perceive its eternal value. We don't perceive its immediate value. We, we, we have been disillusioned to think that the kingdom of the world okay, is what is of ultimate value. And so if we, found, if we find ourselves okay, in a place where this sort of sacrificial language really turns us off. It really, it just seems heavy-handed. It seems drudgery. It seems like we're having to give up too much. The problem is not that, the, the problem is not with the kingdom. 
Okay, the problem is with our imagination. The problem is with um, having God expand our hearts and minds and asking him to show us the true incredible value of the things of God. And that if we rightly understood those, if we rightly saw those past the world, the flesh, the sin, the devil, everything that competes with this, we would gladly give up all for the things of God. Now, you may say, well, Pastor Paul, what makes the kingdom so valuable? Well, we're going to talk about that tomorrow. But for now, be praying that God would open your eyes to the temporariness of this life and how desperately we need something sturdy, something sure, something certain, something that will save us, something that will give us a place to stand. It's not this world. It's only the kingdom of God. All right, Lord, expand our minds, imaginations, and hearts to embrace everything that you would have for us in terms of being a part of your kingdom. Lord, we ask this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, everybody, see you tomorrow.